All right, and we are going live. What is up, everybody? To Data on Kubernetes Communities live stream number 136. Super stoked for today's live stream. As always, we've got an amazing speaker with a very, very cool topic, almost controversial. I don't want to use the word controversial, but it's certainly exciting. It's innovative. It's going to be fun. We're going to be looking at a very new space. I had not heard about database mesh up until I had met our speaker, Maxwell. Um, so very stoked to hear what he's got to say about this topic. Before we get into that, all right, just want to make sure that you are up to date about things that are happening in the data on Kubernetes community. We've got our meetup that's happening in person in London at the end of this month on June 30th. I'm going to drop the link there. So if you're in London, if you know someone who's in London, if you think you know somebody who's in London, we've already got about 60 people signed up for this in-person event. All right, we're going to have some lightning talks, panels, interviews, all kinds of goodness. A really, really cool spot uh, in a rooftop sort of location in London. Weather should be good. It's going to be a really, really nice time. So definitely check that out. Also, if you have not seen yet, all right, we have the DOK landscape, all right, which is a portal where we are featuring the technologies of the members, our wonderful sponsors in our community. Shout out to our sponsors. And you can check that out right here, all right, the DOK landscape, where you can see the different technologies that are being featured in order for end users to have an easier time when it comes to deciding which technology is going to be best for them. All right, so make sure that you check that out. That being said, all right, with no further ado, You've heard of service mesh. You may have heard of data mesh, right? You, you, you know, but database mesh is something that kind of took me by surprise. So today we have an expert on the topic, right? His name is Maxwell. He joins us from a different time zone where it's much later than it is here. Um, it's about midnight where he is. It's about 6 p.m. where I am. If you're in the West Coast, it's around 9 a.m. So you got people literally all over the world that are watching this. Maxwell, welcome to the Data on Kubernetes community. How are you doing today? Yeah, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm doing good. Good. All right. That being said, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? If you want to start sharing your screen, you can do that and we can see your presentation. Okay. I'd like to share my screen. Good. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, Perfect. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to start my talk. Um, hello, everyone. Um, Thanks for your attending. And I'm so thrilled today to have this talk tonight. Yes, uh, it, it's midnight in China and I still feel the deep excitement about this meetup. Um, so in this talk, I'd like to share the stories behind Database Mesh and our open source project, Presenix, and talk about building a mesh for databases from scratch and why. Oh, okay, at the very beginning, uh, I'm going to thank Data on Kubernetes community and thanks for your support about Database Mesh and this talk. Um, and I am Maxwell, I'm from China. I'm now working as the head of a cloud department of Sophia EX. Um, Sophia EX is a startup about database infrastructure in China. So you maybe hear about Apache, Sharding Sphere. The founders of Sharding Sphere found this company last year. Um, in the past, I worked as the senior developer, cloud infrastructure architect at uh, NetStars and Ant Group. And I'm working uh, with Kubernetes since 2015. And I'm also a gopher and a rest shin. So, you know, writing a go-long program and a rest-long program is very, very different. So um, it makes me sometimes a little bit brain about the two program languages. 
and I love open source and cloud native, and I also have two cats. They often do some code review and find bugs for me, yeah. So um, you can either follow me on Twitter or just send me an email about anything you want to talk to me. Okay, so let's get started. Um, there will be three parts of this talk. Begin with service mesh, the mesh model, and the building with Rust and Go. At first, um, let's talk about service mesh. The concept of service mesh was first uh, proposed by the creators of Linkerd. I remember at that time around uh, 2016. Um, there were only a few of companies in China who adopted Kubernetes, um, and most of them, uh, before they adopted Kubernetes, most of them have already had some uh, service governance frameworks like uh, Double. Um, service Mesh brought us a new perspective of service governance in Kubernetes. Um, that is, the Service Mesh, it uses a transparent layer uh, as a discipline through a sidecar pattern. And the proxy will hijack all the traffic from your application and, re and receive the configuration from the control plane. Uh, the config configuration, including some uh, service discovery um, about the rate limiting, uh, circuit breaking, access control, and certifications. So uh, the service mesh framework provides everything about service governance for cloud native applications. The proxies of applications have built a huge mesh uh, to the deployment of applications. So we consider, uh, we, 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 we give it a name about service mesh. Um, generally, um, I have to say service mesh is not a silver bullet um, and it's clearly a product of a technology evolution. Um, I mean, before service mesh, even before microservices, uh, we can see some application architectures as monoliths. Monoliths wasn't any evil, uh, but but it was so appropriate at that time. I mean, I mean, we don't have businesses so complex as today, and we also don't have tons of uh, requests, uh, traffic need to handle. So with the growth of three G, four G, and uh, any other communication technologies, our business had come to a new stage. I mean, um, we call it a mobile internet. So people can browse news, respond to instant messages, and watch short videos at any time, anywhere. This really a life on the go pattern. Like I said, uh, from that time, monoliths can no longer support the quantity or the huge information. So we have to uh, decouple our uh, monolith architecture, we have the microservices. The deployment pattern and operation uh, also have changed. So in a word, uh, from monolith to microservices, the scale of application deployment grows and brings more complexity to the service dependencies. A microservice governance uh, focus on some um, common, common topics like traffic control, like observability, like security, like uh, access control, configuration management, and uh, availability, free lower, um, as, as so many things. Um, but we back to service mesh around 2017. Istio announced its first release. 
the is to address the challenges developers and operators face with a distributed or microservice architecture. Whether you are building from scratch or migrating existing application to cloud native, this too can help. This is important. This is um, this is means uh, Istio has made service mesh on Kubernetes uh, crystal clear and indeed has have a lot of influence on the later design of different mesh frameworks. So here comes the first question. Uh, we know that service mesh could hijack all traffic from application by the proxy. What if, if we put a MySQL into the service mesh? I mean, if in fact, if we consider MySQL as a normal node, normal microservice node in our architecture, uh, it has no difference with any other services. But I have to say this is not enough for MySQL. Now let's dive into the second part, the, the mesh model. Um, for Istio, um, that, is, that it has the Istio T, Istio D, including a pilot, a side hill, and a galley. It also use NY to proxy application traffic to the upstream and downstream. So application container coexist with NY container in the same pod, share, um, sharing the same network. So with the help of IP tables, all traffic sent from the application container could be redirected to the NY proxy. And NY will decide where to route the different requests. These two has achieved this by uh, some customer resource definitions like virtual service, uh, like a destination role to build a NY configuration. Many companies have adopted this tool as their first choice of service mesh, and other companies try to do some development based on this tool to fit their own use cases. So this tool is popular, but does service mesh mean this tool? No, um, we can put many other uh, different service mesh projects if you want to draw a landscape of service meshes including Molson from Ant Group, App Mesh from AWS. I don't think this is a reinvent of wheels. Um, I, I feel excited about the ecosystem. It means there's a very active community about service mesh and people cares about service governance in the Kubernetes and trying to find a different way to solve the problem. So this is, we do think, uh, we do thinking about something. And besides the great help of uh, microservice governance from Istio, um, I, I think it also tells us what is a mesh pattern. Uh, classically, the mesh pattern have often have two components. Uh, the first one is a control plane, and the, like the below in the graph, it's a Istio D. Istio D as a controller in the control plane. So it is responsible for all the management stuff. Uh, it has no sense over the traffic itself, and another one is data plane, the upper in the graph, I mean the NY proxy. NY proxy will hijack all the traffic, like I said before, and working as a transparent proxy at the bottom of your microservice. So uh, people want to consider uh, Istio or NY as a, or as a part of infrastructure. Yeah. But does mesh means a sidecar pattern? Um, even we always equals mesh to a sidecar pattern. No, um, um, unfortunately, the answer is no. Uh, the mesh is not a thing about the sidecar, in my opinion. 
um, clearly mesh is just a best practice over some technology uh, framework or uh, architecture design. It's just the one way we could use to solve the problem. Um, we can also have any other solutions like, like we use in double, we have to put the double application out of the Kubernetes cluster and every application containers have registered to the uh, registry and do some uh, service governance stuff. The important thing is the problem we care about, but not the, the tools, but not the framework, not the set card. So this graph, uh, I, I have um, copied from the Killsmash official website and it shows how Killsmash work. Sidecar is not a required component in Killsmash. So Killsmash, we can use a daemon set named Chaos daemon. So we, we, we still could make some chaos to the application deployed in that framework. This tool um, really cares about the traffic and it's definitely right. Traffic management is really the core of large scale microservices. This tool wants to solve it, make it easier and that there's no doubt, no, no, no doubt about this. But what does a mesh being uh, used for? I mean, I have to see uh, if it's not about the traffic. Uh -huh. we, uh, we have several different meshes like uh, uh, open service mesh, like kills mesh for the kills engineering in the cloud native um, and the event mesh and IO mesh. They are different mesh solutions for different problems. So um, what about database mesh? Um, in 2018, um, there was a post about database mesh published in the uh, InfoQ China. The writer Zhang Liang is the founder of Apache Sharing Sphere and the article is really long to read. Uh, I have I have do some conclusion for you. So the writer Liang proposed a model. It wants to use a sidecar for database traffic management. Uh, imagine that uh, it's something like uh, put a sharding sphere proxy into a container and be injected into the port. So what's the difference between service mesh and this database mesh? Leon believes the database traffic has some domain specific characteristics like uh, reduced data sharding. The proxy has to know the SQL and parse into an abstract syntax tree. Uh, this, is, this cannot be simply considered the same with layer four traffic. Um, besides this, the proxy also need to support like read-write splitting, uh, data encryption. So that's what database mesh means at that time. So let's see this picture. Um, we compare service mesh with database mesh. They both can handle traffic. From the perspective of layer for traffic, it's the, it's the, um, nearly the same like service discovery, load balancing, break, and then provide some other abilities like uh, logging, monitoring, tracing, and also um, provide some support for the security features, um, access control, and blacklist uh, certification. So what will be the first different feature added to database mesh? Um, in the past four years, since the database mesh concept was proposed in China, companies in China have practiced database mesh in three major ways. The first one is uh, introduce the sharding sphere sidecar. Um, the sidecar acting exactly same with the sharding sphere proxy. 
and it will do some data share sharding, uh, encryption, uh, uh, redirect splitting from a sidecar. And the second one is often adopted by a uh, large companies like uh, BAT. They build a unified layer to uh, manage all of their mesh things, handle application traffic and uh, database traffic at the same time. So the configuration for uh, application traffic and database traffic from the same control plane and using uh, the same uh, proxy in uh, a sidecar in the application pod to uh, handle the different traffic. The third one is building a distributed database with the help of a sidecar. The sidecar uh, play a role as, um, as a handling database access and uh, communicating with the centric uh, uh, transaction manager, storage manager, and a log servers. So I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about all of these practices, even they are so different. Um, but when we think about uh, database governance, the concept, the domain itself, and I have talked to several DBAs, does database governance only mean care, uh, only cares about traffic? Is the traffic everything of a database mesh? That's important question. So if we, we if we see the previous database mesh as uh, version one, so how about the version two? I mean, if we uh, we ourselves are SRE or DBAs, uh, what do we really want to have in this database governance area? I mean, do we care about resource consumed by our databases? Do we need a pipeline or schema uh, schema change? Are there some ways to make DBA's life easier, like uh, putting MySQL PG Redis in a standard framework? And how about easy to easy of use thing? Um, DBA's could write customer resource definitions, but let the framework handle the rest of the works. So that is what I'm talking about: database mesh. It will, building, uh, it will build an um, efficient and programmable database governance experience in the cloud native era. So you can check the website below and our GitHub repo to get more details. Uh, let me explain this to you. Uh, in the database mesh version two, it focuses on how to less the burden of developers to boost their business. I mean, uh, it's something like the serverless concept that developers focus on the business logic, uh, don't uh, care about, uh, no, without the, without the care about the infrastructure things. And the second, the database match want to achieve a framework which includes database traffic, uh, runtime resource and reliability for databases in a configurable and a pluggable, uh, programmable way. Um, in a word, um, the database match want to handle the traffic uh, like the load balancing, like uh, uh, access control, like uh, redirect splitting, even sharding, and uh, also want to handle the runtime resource thing. Um, here's an example. I mean, if your databases uh, traffic need to be uh, separated with your application traffic, um, database mesh will provide some way to help you achieve this. To, um, to eliminate the impact, impact of different uh, uh, traffic, yeah. Um, and in a configurable or pluggable or programmable way, I mean, the database mesh framework uh, will try to make itself uh, with a more extensible. 
people can write plugins, um, no matter it's a Lua plugin or Wasm plugin to help this framework become a more strong uh, platform. The, the third one is provide a standard interface uh, for a variety of uh, databases, um, no matter it's cloud native or distributed databases. Um, in the uh, left, in the left of this slide, uh, I mean the database mesh want to use the uh, common workload, the standard workload. Um, for example, the traffic strategy to handle no matter it's MySQL, uh, it's PG or Redis, the traffic, uh, all of these databases need to handle to be uh, to take care of their traffic. And this is um, not. Uh, um, this is vendor lock, no vendor locking, no matter it's AWS or Google Cloud, the framework also uh, works. So the database mesh proposed uh, database centric uh, governance framework. Uh, we, we consider database as the first class resource in the framework and we want to build an engineer friendly experience. Um, database mesh want to let developers only care about the protocol about their databases. Uh, the, the developers, no matter uh, they, they write Go or Rust, they only have to claim a type of proto protocol over their uh, database to fit their business need. Don't no, no worries about the operation characters of the database itself. And the, the database mesh will try to make some automation for the operation of the database in a, um, in declarative way, write some CRDs, let the operator do the thing, yeah. And the second, third, third one is with the open community to adopt databases from uh, different cloud vendors. And build a, you build a framework on top of cloud native architecture uh, without any vendor locking. Uh, so uh, here's the last part and uh, I want to talk about how to build this with uh, Rust and Go. The first question is why Kubernetes? Um, Kubernetes is a de facto uh, standard of cloud native and we have put all of our applications running on the EKS. Kubernetes is a so-called a platform of platform. We can build our um, like path or, or container and service on top of the Kubernetes. And um, the pod is a basic uh, uh, scheduling unit, serves for different deployment patterns. And the sidecar container, it coexists with the main container in the same pod. It's, it shares the same life cycle with the application container and the share, also share the network namespace and file mount. So the service mesh use sidecar pattern to decouple business container and the proxy container. A very classical example is we set a, a, a logging collector in, as a sidecar into our application pod, and the collector will uh, send the send the logs to the external, um, I mean Kafka or uh, Elasticsearch. The second pattern of Kubernetes is the mission webhook. Uh, Kubernetes server supports extension for webhook, and it will handle all of the request in a Kubernetes cluster. And admission webhook, it consists of two kinds. Uh, first one is validating and the second one is mutating. For 
uh, date validation and the mutation respectively. So we could write some custom resource definition uh, with the help of uh, the mission webhook. If we want to inject the sidecar into the port without any um, developers know about the thing, so we can use mutating the mission webhook to achieve this transparent injection. And the, and the last one is customer resource definition. This is the um, core of, of Kubernetes, Kubernetes. And the Kubernetes is uh, called a platform for a platform because of the CRD. Kubernetes controllers implement a uh, declarative API through uh, the watchlist uh, mechanism natively. So we can write our customer resource definition and put all what we want to do described in the uh, YAML manifesto and let the controller to handle the, the work. So CRD works with controller. Uh, we can also call it uh, operator pattern. And uh, now let's get back to the database mesh design. Um, so what does the control plane in database mesh looks like? The control plane in Istio, uh, as, as I said before, it handles all the management stuff. It converts the converts converts the uh, customer resource definition from Kubernetes and to the NY configuration. So it is the same to database mesh. The control plane in database mesh will do two things now. Uh, currently, it supports sidecar injection using the mutating admission webhook to inject the sidecar into the selective port. This is same to the Istio service mesh. And the second one is configuration conversion. Um, the control plane will watch the Kubernetes API server to get the CRD and, the con and convert it to the data plane configuration, including load balancing, uh, concurrency control, uh, segregating. All of the features are based on the SQL, not just a layer four traffic. So we have a controller, we call it the PISA controller. PISA controller is, uh, is a, the main part, main component of our design. And it will handle the sidecar injection and the convert the configura configuration. And what does the data plane looks like? In database mesh, we want to handle the uh, traffic, the, data, uh, the, the runtime resource, and even some uh, database reliability uh, engineering thing. So uh, we could imagine that the main feature of a data plane, the first one is SQL traffic control. I, we want to hijack the SQL traffic and know the uh, know, know where to route the SQL. And the second, we could provide a fine-grained access control role according to uh, the user and the data relationship. Uh, this may be a table level or a column level access control. And other features like circle break uh, reject high risk SQL execution and availability um, to expose some metrics about the SQL processing uh, procedure, like how many SQLs are, uh, have, have been processed and how many SQLs, the latency about the SQL processing. And the last one is runtime resource management. Uh, like I, I, I said before, we want to provide a traffic QS with the help of uh, or with some token technology like uh, eBPF. So 
we have the first data plane. Note that it's the first data plane. We call it pizza proxy. A pizza proxy will be the side part to the application pod, and it will uh, also be injected transparently. The application will only to uh, to change their configuration about the database uh, access information. Now that let, let, let the configuration point to the endpoint provided by the pizza proxy. Uh, this is different from the the NY. NY will hijack the traffic transparently um, by the help of uh, with the help of uh, IP tables, but pizza proxy need the application to change their configuration. And another one data plane is a pizza daemon. Uh, pizza daemon currently is not released and will come in soon. Um, pizza daemon we deployed on the Kubernetes node uh, as a daemon set. It will handle the runtime resource management. Um, currently, this is uh, we have we we have a demo about this feature, but it cannot cannot be uh, released at, at present. The pizza daemon uh, because it's close to the node and close to the operating system, they can utilize the features of a Linux kernel to accomplish some uh, runtime resource management uh, uh, needs. Um, so uh, we, we compose the different three uh, components into our project. It is Pythonix. The Pythonix is a solution of a database mesh and it is write, uh, written in Go and Rust. And it is Kubernetes native, currently speak MySQL. The main features of uh, uh, Pythonix is SQL aware traffic control. SQL aware traffic control, it's a, it's a difference with, uh, with uh, service mesh. So we have to know uh, what the SQL really means and, and, and wrote it. And the second one, it will support the runtime resource oriented programming to let the extensible resource control abilities. And, and, and the last one, database reliability engineering. Uh, Pythonix want to help the DRE on the Kubernetes make DBS life easier with the Kubernetes. So Pythonix have three components. The first one is Pizza controller. It is a required component as control plane. And the second one is Pizza proxy written in Rust. It is a, also a required component. The third one is Pizza daemon. Uh, it it has been has not been released now, and it is optional. So uh, I will explain how do we build the Pythonix. Uh, let me demonstrate with Pizza Proxy. Uh, Pizza Proxy was built in Rust. Uh, we choose Rust because it is a system level language. Uh, it has really a lot of advantages in programming, like. Uh, it, 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 it follows the design principle. It will provide a secure, reliable, and efficient way to program, to write your program. And I also support multiple paradigm, like object-oriented programming, functional, or uh, producional. And it also pro provides a memory safe model. Uh, it can achieve a memory safe through types of like ownership, borrow, and lexical mark, markup. And, and it's used uh, zero cost abstraction, abstraction explanation at the compiling time with generics and, and treat. And it also has some engineering uh, help. It's the package management create the, compo uh, the commands, the different style of commands and uh, the compiler information to help you uh, 
to help you find your 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 design uh, drawbacks at at compiling time, and also provide a very uh, good error and uh, exception handling mechanism. So the whole procedure of uh, uh, PISA workflow, uh, the PISA proxy will speak MySQL uh, protocol. So the in in the applications perspective, it will consider PISA proxy as a database as MySQL. So um, PISA proxy speaks MySQL, and the application could connect to it directly. So the application one will need to uh, mod modify their configuration about a database credential. And the PISA proxy read handshake and data packet from the application and uh, read the expected SQL. The SQL will be passed to get the AST. The AST based that wants the access control uh, want to know uh, if, it's, if this table could be uh, read or write uh, from this application. And uh, the parser will also help to build uh, like some SQL uh, secret, SQL break. After pass this access control and firewall, firewall, the SQL will be submitted to the execution. The metrics are now collected at the SQL ex execution. And, that's, and, and, and we will uh, choose a proper backend connection according to the load balance strategy to uh, proxy the SQL to the backend, to the real backend of the database. And to send the SQL to the backend data, data sources and read the response, and finally write back the data response to the application. So uh, at this time, uh, PISA proxy, you can see it is a uh, um, database middleware or a bit database uh, proxy. Like like the MySQL router, so the PSR proxy have to support MySQL protocol. On one hand, PSR proxy speaks the MySQL server, so it receives the TCP handshake from the application and write back the first initial handshake packet to the application. On the other hand, MySQL proxy will works as a MySQL client. PSR proxy will works as a MySQL client. It will set up connections with the backend database resources at the, at the startup and uh, maintain a connection pool to the databases. And then uh, it will uh, mark up the, uh, make up the handshake response with flags and SSL to exchange handshake information to the backend database resources. And finally, uh, establish the connection. And PISA proxy also need to do some SQL parser well, um, only we have passed the SQL, we can know the intent, intention of the SQL. So to do more advanced features like SQL break or access control. So PISA proxy use grammar tools to build a SQL parser according to the MySQL YCC file. And the scattering parser will read a SQL token and pass them to the lexer and to uh, and create the STs and receive SQL table and column information from the STs to uh, to, to, to implement the column-based fine-grain access control uh, and even data sharding and encryption. The uh, SQL firewall is to reject the SQL. Uh, they are, they, those are not allowed to be executed. And we also support the concurrency control based on the time and regular expression. Um, that is, we have to set a, a time window to the piece of proxy. In this time duration, uh, the, the, the SQL statement matches the regular expression 
will uh, not be allowed to execute at some parallelism uh, concurrency control. And the pizza proxy will also provide a load balance feature. Um, currently, it is what basic load balances load balances strategy. It, uh, I mean, in the um, in the read write splitting uh, scenario, the pizza proxy will uh, try to um, send SQL to different database backend if they are all uh, a reader read readers a reader label. Uh, and we want to support a label based role. Uh, people can write their uh, roles like a regular expression and some maybe label selector to spot the uh, the dif different or complex road, uh, SQL road roles to uh, rotate to the different backend of database sources. And uh, finally, it will become a strat strategy framework. Users could submit their uh, predefined strategy and the customer's role, even customer's uh, strategy uh, controller itself. Um, observability. Observability is uh, the, the common uh, between uh, service mesh and database mesh. Uh, so we have hijacked the traffic, so we can do anything about the traffic. We, we, we can see um, how many SQL pressed at the total and how long does the SQL being processed. Um, but currently, we only spot two metrics now. Uh, we have we have we have a plan to support more metrics like uh, uh, top queries by total time, uh, top queries by the count, or uh, run, SQL runtime memory, SQL runtime memory, SQL runtime memory is in, is uh, related to the pizza demon. We want to um, describe the memory cons consumed in in one SQL um, execution while the SQL is execution. So we want to prevent uh, sending other SQL to one uh, one 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 proxy and uh, make the load balance more um, understandable. Um, and uh, this is the pizza daemon. Um, pizza daemon. Um, I I think it will use the links kernel capabilities like uh, eBPF extended eBPF to provide us uh, some uh, some mechanism to support uh, married monster runtime resource management. The eBPF will provide a sandbox for application running near Linux kernel, and uh, it could be considered a secure and efficient kernel extension. Uh, it has uh, the four main uh, use cases in uh, availability, security, network, and tracing. So eBPF could collect variety of metrics in the kernel and uh, expose them. And the eBPF, uh, to uh, observe all the system calls and with the help of package and stock management uh, process context tracing uh, mechanism and achieve fine-grained security control. And ABPF also feeds the traffic path, uh, package uh, handling without leaving the kernel uh, network context. And uh, ABPF is very useful for performance turning um, to provide user mode process and system calls. Yeah, even implementing uh, zero intrusion tracing capabilities like the um, PC uh, project. Um, here's an example of what we want to do use the PISA daemon and eBPF. Um, in the graph, we, 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 have, uh, we have two applications, uh, maybe on the same node. And we have set different pro, pro, um, priorities to the application, so it was uh, Lay the color in different color. Uh, 
each application have their own pizza proxy to uh, proxy their uh, database request. The pizza proxy will execute the SQL and the, um, according to the priority of the application, the pizza proxy will make some label or mark on the traffic. And the pizza daemon will, will read this mark to uh, put the traffic to put the TCP packets into different uh, uh, QoS class. The QoS class um, uh, we, we, we can implement with uh, uh, TC in Linux and uh, to set different uh, classes um, with different kind of uh, uh, maybe uh, bandwidth. So the traffic will be loaded in uh, different QoS class to prevent their, um, their, their uh, interaction. And uh, the, finally, the, the traffic will be hand, handled to the backend database source. Uh, this is just an example, and we have uh, provided a demo about it. And uh, um, this is, uh, I think this is important to some uh, online and offline, uh, I mean, large scale uh, Kubernetes clusters. So, um, so we want to provide an extension mechanism for supporting more uh, runtime resource management plugins. Uh, uh, as I said, uh, Pythonix is designed for Kubernetes. So we recommend to deploy Pythonix in Kubernetes. Uh, here's another example of how do we use Pythonix in Kubernetes. Uh, the, we can see there are three uh, workloads now. Um, the first one is virtual database. The second one is a traffic strategy. And the last one is database endpoint. In the virtual database, we can see uh, we, there are some uh, properties like DB, like host, parse, uh, the database access credential, and uh, it has some traffic strategy to be uh, to be to be bound. The traffic strategy uh, it announced the um, uh, the concurrency control rules, the circle break rules, and the load balancing strategy. It's it, it's ran it, it's random now, and the last one database endpoint. It refers to the the real database endpoint. Maybe it's a, a, a host over AWS RDS or just a host from your MySQL. So, so the whole, whole workflow of Pythonix is uh, Pythonix works in a way uh, of uh, controlling and deploying. Uh, it's the same with service mesh. And, uh, Pythonix, uh, and Pythonix will inject PSAR proxy to the pod who is labeled with Pythonix IO uh, slash inject. And, uh, uh, and uh, the developers need to submit the virtual database uh, CRD uh, claiming they want a database to be used by their application. With the help of different controllers, uh, they will create uh, maybe an RDS on AWS and uh, Take the and put the information into a database endpoint. And finally, the DBA or the SRE will uh, bind the traffic strategy to both the virtual database and the database endpoint. So that is a complete proxy uh, proxy chain. The pizza controller watches customer resource definition and convert to pizza proxy configs. And the pizza proxy will receive the configs and create connection to the backend databases. 
So you can just start your application and access maybe localhost uh, directly. Uh, but uh, pizza proxy, we consider um, not every not every company need to uh, deploy it on the Kubernetes. Even to some startup or smaller company, uh, they also need to uh, handle the database proxy layer. So pizza proxy could be deployed in the standalone mode as a unified access layer for databases. Um, and uh, no matter their RDS, MySQL, sharding sphere, uh, they could they could be uh, supported with uh, read-write track visibility, uh, high availability failover, and uh, SQL-oriented uh, availability. So here's the last question. Uh, why do you need a database mesh? And, and I want to show you the takeaways about this talk. Um, so if you want to uh, want a serverless experience over databases, uh, you want your developers only need to care about the type of databases. So you could let your infra leader to consider uh, Pythonix. And if you want to have all your applications and databases hosted on cloud, um, Pythonix could simplify that. And if you are a DBA and really want all of your databases be managed in a standard way, uh, Pythonix come for help. And the last thing is if you are good at hijacking, uh, feel free to write some uh, Western plugins to boost the Pythonix. So I want to see that Pythonix community really need your help. Um, that's all I want to share uh, in this talk. And um, and uh, I'm sorry for the poor English because I have it has been very long since last time. Oh I come on! This, the, there's there's zero yeah. problem with the English. You covered a lot of concepts, a lot of different things that we saw there, but very very well put together. I think we have a much better idea now about what database mesh is. Database mesh, yeah. excuse me. And also, like you said, if people want to know more, they know what communities they need to join. They know what technologies they need to be looking at. Um, I shared a screenshot from the beginning when you were explaining about, you know, what database mesh is. And then I think the, the takeaways at the end were also very, very good. So excellent job, Maxwell. Um, can you stop sharing your screen really quickly? Okay. Cool. So we have a, a, a tradition in our community that while you are, while our speaker is talking, we have our amazing artist who's in the background, um, who's drawing while you're speaking. So he created uh, wow. an artistic uh, depiction of the different things that were being touched on here. And as we can see, they're all connected in a mesh. Um, so anyway, very, very good stuff. I think, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the article that came out in 2018. So this is a concept that has now existed for, you know, around four years, but it's good to see that these things are maturing, that more people are working on them. And as you said, there is a community where people can go um, to interact, to get more experience. Um, so Maxwell, thank you very much for your time and your presentation today. If anybody has any questions, um, it's now almost 1 a.m. in China. So I think Maxwell needs to go to bed. Um, but if you want to continue the conversation, please feel free to ask any questions you might have in Slack. And we would love to see these ideas continue to flow. And I hope that we will have you back for, you know, KubeCon in October, another live stream, because this concept of database mesh, I think is very interesting and more and more people will want to know about it. So anyway, 
Maxwell, thank you very much for your time today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Okay? Okay, thank you.